Cynic Empowerment. Last time on Cynic Empowerment. Oh, you stepped on the black cobblestone. You're not supposed to step on the black cobblestone because the black cobblestone's a hot lava. And the hot lava <laughs> charge you $50. <laughs> it's like, are you actually a policeman? Yes, I'm a policeman. Hot lava policeman. <laughs> I'm a hot lava policeman. Look at my hot lava policeman badge. You see me? I don't stand on any of the black tiles. Yeah, they are, they are spicy meatball. Mm. <laughs> and then you just like see him like walking in the most strange way possible. <laughs> Welcome everybody. This is Cynic Empowerment. My name is Jimmy Horn. And I'm Tim Carpenter. Welcome everyone to today's episode. Oh, man. I'm really glad that I have a working computer right now, Jimmy, because if I did not, we would not be able to record this lovely podcast for all of our fantastic listeners. Yep, because if uh, if I had, say, a cat, which I do, and that cat happened to uh, get sick at a moment's notice and just barf all over my fucking computer, uh, it would probably no longer work, especially if – the volume of barf was anywhere close to this recent clip, which we should attach to the video. Everybody <laughs> fucking watch it. It's great. It's pretty good. It's great. It's, it's pretty good. It's, it's short but sweet. Do you follow Twitch streamers at all? You know about these guys? I don't. And the reason why I think I don't, well, there's a lot of reasons, but I think I'm, I'm one of the largest reasons is I'm secretly jealous of anyone that gets to play video games for a living. It's like, why the fuck would I support you? I don't get to yeah, do that. It's pretty ridiculous. I find it to be entertaining on occasion, yeah. uh, but I'm definitely not into it to the degree that all these folks are that are are patronizing that kind of business. Oh, yeah, like it's, giving them money and stuff like that as if they're like some kind of cam girl or something. I don't know. Pretty much. I mean, even then, it feels kind of weird. I mean, I don't know. I, we could we could be cam boys. Uh, do you want to give that a try instead? Um, we're going to be the next closest thing to Camboys whenever we actually try to monetize this podcast and we start asking for money, except for we, we don't even let people see our flabby bodies. We only allow them to hear our flabby voices. So but that... neither of us are flabby, Jimmy. I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm on my way. So everybody, uh, look out for the Cynic Empowerment calendar that will be coming out shortly after we monetize. <laughs> Oh my god, that'd be so good. That'd be so good. Where would we shoot it? Where would we take the photos? Uh, probably in some random person's living room. Uh, much like this Twitch streamer where you have like a ceiling fan in the background. This guy who has a giant ass mic that's covering up his face, which kind of renders the profile shot useless. And, uh, of course, some giant-ass headphones that make your head look three times the size that it normally is. Hey, those are some, some nice cans, man. Don't hate on those cans. Nice cans. Helps him hear the video game better, so he plays like a pro. Pretty neat. So who is this guy? What, what's what's going on with this story? I don't... I should know. <laughs> <laughs> Jade Blue. He goes by Jade Blue. By Jade Blue. Jade Blue. No, it's not even Jade Blue. It's Jaded Blue. Jaded Blue, yeah. Jaded Blue uh, has to take a break uh, from streaming for just a little bit because in the middle of one of his streams, his cat, uh, who warned him with these weird-ass noises that you will hear once you, once you watch the video, uh, 
that it was about to throw up all over his computer and throw up it did. Yeah. It was probably like if you look at pictures of it, I'd say the amount of throw up is probably equal to the size of the cat's head. Yeah. Like it's it's a lot. It's a disturbing amount. And what su- it sucks extra hard is that well, it, I don't even know. Like I don't understand how he has his computer set up because in the picture it looks like it's the back of the computer. But yeah. it's like opened up vents back there. Unless that's the top. I would assume it's the it top. Any, but anyways, I guess for like the airflow purposes, the, this, this computer, uh, it had holes on the top, which, you know, most computers don't. And so, but it was like a perfect portal for all of the, the cat yards barf to just flow yeah. down onto the motherboard and God knows what else. Just fucking destroyed all the shit. Yeah. Uh, which is just absolutely fantastic. You got to pay extra for those those vents on the top, man. Yes, <laughs> it's just so dumb. <laughs> Don't yeah, do it. It wrecked the mother the motherboard, the graphics card, and the power supply. Like just. Don't have vents on top of your computer or, like, don't have a cat. Like, you can have one or the other. You can have a cat or you can have a computer with a vent on top. You can't have both. Yeah, Jaded Blue is being selfish. He wants his cake and wants to eat it, too. You can't have both those things in life. It's just not possible. Oh, man. And I I totally support everyone having one or the other. Uh, Probably leaning more towards the cat side because – like Jimmy said earlier, I don't respect you if you play video games for a living. Yeah. You know, everybody wants to fucking do that. I'm, and uh, if you have a shit ton of time to get good at video games, chances are you're the type of person that I'm not going to like. So fuck off. I, I, I want to I wanna agree with everything you said, but I know it's coming from a, a place of jealousy and all those – other related words. So yeah, it totally is. I, I, I totally feel jealous, except for the part about the uh, the cat throwing up all over the computer part. I really don't I, want that to happen. I don't. Uh, I don't know, man. I, Maybe it's just like only the beginning of his fame. Think of how like wide and oh, silver linings, silver linings. <laughs> so I think the silver lining for the story is uh, this is great publicity for this gamer. Just imagine yeah. all the people that were already fans are going to throw some bones at him because, mm-hmm. you know, his computer's broken. And they want him to, you know, get back up and running so they can enjoy watching him stream. And then think about all the new people that are going to find out about him because of this ridiculous story. I mean, we wouldn't yeah. be talking about it if it nope. wasn't the, for the fact that it's on news articles and shit like that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's very true. Like, I don't give a shit about this guy apart from the fact that he has a cat. I'm like, oh, man, we're like kindred spirits. I have a cat, too. Exactly. Both have cats. And my cat fucks shit up all the time. We just recently got a couch. Man, I feel like an adult. I bought a couch. Like a new couch, or did you go to, like, Goodwill and get a couch? There's a difference. It's a brand new fucking couch. Damn, son. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Those aren't cheap. I'm I'm leaving the plastic wrap on it forever. Hell, yeah. It's like like one of those old granny homes that are just covered in... That's what you got to do whenever you have a cat because as soon as you get anything new in the home, the cat senses its newness. It's like, "Mm, I'm going to fucking destroy it. So bring it in. We set it all up. And first thing, you know, you hear the cat with a little like (laughs) where it's trying to rip a hole in the back of the couch so that it can 
I, I don't know. I guess it can like go inside and oh. pretend that it's a demon spawn like crawling out from the couch. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm here to wreck your couches and other living room furniture. <laughs> Just like a like a, a cemetery grave with the zombie hands reaching up through the yeah. the grave sites, but instead of that, it, it's like the cat's like claws like reaching up through the couch underneath as you're sitting on it. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, God, and then it scratches the shit out of you because it's got long, sharp nails mm-hmm. meant for killing and destruction. Yeah. Yeah, it was playing with a, oh, my God. So I got a little bitty cap, but every every fucking ounce of that eight-pound cat is filled with malice and evil. Okay. There's a little grasshopper, a little big grasshopper that was bouncing around, and the cat is just over here, like, tearing it apart one leg at a time. Jesus. Yeah, just very, very slowly torturing this poor little creature to death. Uh, it was it managed to like follow it up underneath the couch because of course the grasshopper is going to try to get away. Right. And the couch is like I don't know, probably like two inches off of the ground. Yeah. Managed to like flatten itself out, go back underneath the couch, drag this grasshopper back out, rip both of its back legs off. God. So it's like crawling around like please. Kill me, and the cat's like, not until I say you can die can you finally leave this world pain free and go to your little grasshopper hell. <laughs> little grasshopper hell. Hard <laughs> <laughs> to say that, <laughs> but you kind of get it. You get, it gives you a little insight into the world of cats. So I think this cat meant to puke on that computer. Yeah, no, they're they're pretty much evil. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're yeah. they're evil incarnate. Uh, straight, up, straight up evil. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, uh, um, tell us about your experiences with um, with evil incarnate. Evil incarnate, on, destroying on the things you love. Yeah, post pictures of your little evil kitties for us. Little evil kitty. So we 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 already nailed out the uh, the silver lining for this guy. Oh yeah. You know he he's going to reach new levels of fame based on the fact that he lost his. Uh, his ability to stream, exactly. which I can only assume is his one form of income. Right. That's absolutely it. Um, but he doesn't really seem to be too anxious about it. Maybe it's because he's not prone to it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a segue. Oh, my God. Yeah, Tim. Uh, yep. he doesn't seem too anxious about it. Perhaps he doesn't have a, uh, a natural inclination to, uh, experiencing the negative effects of anxiety. Perhaps that's the case. Absolutely. Uh, so before we began this podcast, uh, and like most other recording sessions, Jimmy and I go over our stories to make sure that we both fully comprehend all of the nuances within the stories that we're going to discuss. And this particular one went right over my head. Uh, and in fact, even now, I am in a bit of a limbo in which I'm going to have Jimmy explain to me once again <laughs> what this article is about. <laughs> I was going to try to make it sound like, oh, like, explain to our listeners what <laughs> these stories about. I just want to hear it more time so that I can see if I can <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally understand this article 100%, but if you wouldn't mind, Jimmy, would you go... <laughs> yeah, go ahead and, uh, Expl- go ahead and I- give us another in-depth explanation. All <laughs> 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 oh, right. Well, here we go. I'm going to do my best, as I try to always do, with uh, our topics. <laughs> so, 
Uh, this article comes from SciPost, and the title of the article is Study Suggest Anxiety Sensitivity Influences the Interpretation of Physiological Responses to Stress. So uh, when you start reading and looking into the article, uh, basically uh, in the studies they would put uh, people through similar stress response scenarios, uh, essentially like stressful scenarios in which uh, the individual's heart rates would go up and they would have all the uh, biological responses you would expect people to have in responses to the stressful symptoms. But then afterwards, when they would survey the individuals to see how they felt uh, after going through the stressful experiences, uh, the people that they deemed as the anxiety-sensitive people uh, maintained or had higher levels of a negative response and opinions uh, after the stressful incident, and people that were less anxiety-prone, uh, even though they had the same biological response, the same heart rate, the same everything else, so you would think they would have had the exact same experience coming out of it, uh, didn't take away the same uh, negative mood effects and everything else associated uh, from the stressful situation. So it would seem that uh, anxiety isn't only a biological response. There's also a uh, an emotional response to it that yeah. uh, is, I guess, person-to-person based. Uh, people, not everyone even experiences it the same. Yeah. So, well, and, yeah, okay. I think I get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it. It seems as though, you know, reading through this article that um, – they were looking at a construct called anxiety sensitivity, okay. which is the reaction to the symptoms of anxiety. Like the increased heart rate made them worry more rather than like taking that information and developing a way to uh, avoid that, that, uh, that symptom right. or, or um, you know, trying to uh, utilize that increased heart rate in like an emergency situation. It became an additional stressor. Yeah. Is that – is that kind of what? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's exactly right. Okay, so that sucks. So I'm sorry for all you <laughs> folks out there that have that kind of anxiety. That that blows. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate that. Um, Jimmy has that kind of anxiety. I think I think some of my some of my nearest and dearest friends in life have that. Yeah, it's part of the reason why I had to get out of retail because you deal with customer service on a regular basis of people getting upset with you or just having to deal with high volumes of customers without a lot of time to process what you're going through. And you go from just being stressed out about the situation to thinking like, am I going to fucking die? Yeah. (laughs) It's not. And then, and then it just like keeps like rumbling from there. It's like, you feel like you're internally dying, like while still have to do like these mundane functions of customer service that continually like stress you out. And it's just this horrible, awful loop cycle of hate yeah oh that sucks man yeah uh well i mean i, I definitely uh, understand what you mean like i had a loop cycle of hate when i worked retail too and i'm sure all of our listeners that have ever worked <laughs> retail know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> you don't know what i've seen yeah. i've been there i've been in it <laughs> i spent i spent a year and a half in the hole <laughs> yeah seriously man that's what that's it feels bad. like Pretty bad, except you get no medals for that shit. No, no, fact, no medals, cold. and uh, the more bougie parts of society don't consider it a real job. So, uh, double <laughs> fucked. 
They treat you like shit. Uh, well, at least you're not having to go through the trier social stress test. If anybody ever asks you to take part in a trier social stress test, you tell them to fuck right off. Yeah. Because you don't want to do it that. It sounds sad. Does it, does it describe <laughs> what, like, what's involved in it? Yeah. So apparently there were 58 participants in this study. Okay. And uh, before the test, you got to, of course, establish your controls. Right. So the measure of anxiety sensitivity were, were uh, heart rate and electrical skin conductance. Okay. Oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very electrical. Whoa. Okay. Uh, so the 58 people uh, go into the stress test. Uh, they, <laughs> they were in an experimentally verified stress-inducing scenario. What does that even mean? <laughs> they had to. Uh, they had to give a uh, a speech before an audience with very short notice. <laughs> Wait, 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 that was it? So basically it'd be like if if somebody was to approach me and be like, hey, Tim, uh, we need you to give a speech to this audience of a thousand about anxiety sensitivity influencing the interpretation of physiological responses to stress. (laughs) Oh, oh, and by the way, you got to do it in your underwear. And you got to, yeah, take all your clothes off. Like, oh, I don't want to do that. This is my worst nightmare. I don't want to do that. Uh, and, and I think uh, this in particular is going to stress out a hell of a lot of people. Um, maybe, maybe not us though, Jimmy. That's I mean, true. As far as feedback, yeah, man. as far as things that are going to stress me out, I I would think this would be on the lower end. Yeah, but you know, Just, maybe they set it up in a way where it, it seems like I don't know. There's a lot on the line somehow. I don't know how they would do that, but maybe, maybe, yeah. Well, if they uh, if they don't like your speech, then we're gonna cut off your feet. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It's like what, like, <laughs> oh, no. what's the worst that can happen? Uh, you lose your feet. Uh, well, um, it seems pretty rough. There was one time. Uh, did I ever tell you about going and auditioning for Disney? No. So uh, there was a, a big thing that was happening at the uh, at the. I forget where exactly it was at. I think it was like at the the Dulles Convention Center in in D.C. Uh, But Disney was doing some auditions, uh, and I heard about it over the radio. Uh, I ended up, uh, you know, signing up. Just like I called the folks, I was like, "Okay, so do I need a time slot or what?" And they're like, "No, just show up. You know, we're going to be doing a you know a short little bit. You can follow this website. There's going to be like a little uh, a little monologue that you're going to have to deliver in front of a camera. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it." Uh, but that was all the information I got. And I was like, eh, well, I'm not doing anything else at the time, so I might as well go for it. Right. I show up at the place, and it is packed uh, primarily with sub-10-year-old children. Oh, right? wow. So that's that's what I kind of missed. Red flag. <laughs> Wait. Yeah, a lot of kids. <laughs> okay. A lot of kids. A lot of kids and their parents. Okay. Uh, so skipping forward a little bit, uh, we get to a portion of – the presentation in which – and sure enough, it's a presentation. It seems kind of like a scheme at this point, but I'm like – I'm already there. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, you know, might as well still participate. So they're like, uh, we want some volunteers uh, to do a little role playing for us. And I'm like, OK, hell yeah, I'll go for it. Yeah. So I end up raising my hand and being like one of the like dozen people that are in the crowd of my age, I end up getting picked. OK. Like, oh, OK, cool. So we go to the front. And what they were trying to do was exhibit the age ranges that were there. So we had like a five-year-old, uh, a 12-year-old, 
an 18 year old and then me as a 24 year old. Okay. Right. And, uh, they were like, okay, so, uh, you know, we're just going to do some things back and forth. And, you know, I was nailing it left and right, you know, like we were just doing a little bit of improv. It was nice and funny. Uh, and then they were like, okay, so we want to give you an example of just how terrible things can go in the instance that, you know, you're stressed out. It was basically like one of these stress tests. Okay. So they picked me out and they're like, okay, so this guy probably has the most experience. He's the oldest, right? So, we're going to show you just how terribly a commercial can go on a moment's notice, and this is the kind of thing that some of these kids will be doing if they're selected for for our talent agency or what have you. So they were like, okay, so you're going to be delivering a uh, a commercial about, and the guy like thanks for a second. He's like trying to pick something random. It's like uh uh toilet paper go, and I was just like, oh god, that, like, that was it. That's all he gave you. Yeah, and uh, so like my mind for a second just blanks out. And I'm thinking, uh, okay, so I'm going to do something funny. Uh, so I just like start talking about like how absorbent the toilet paper is. And, uh, like I, I end up doing like a little like duet skit, like with myself, like where I'm bouncing back and forth, like, oh man, like I really need some super absorbent toilet paper right now. And go back to the other side and be like, oh, well, uh, I know exactly what you need. Some of this extra absorbent toilet paper. And it's like, oh, you're a little too late. I just pissed my pants, you know, like something like that. And then the guy like cuts me off and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't say piss. This is Disney, remember? I'm like, okay, fine. Well, but it got me out of it and it it went just fine. But just as soon as you, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're solicited for that kind of, uh, act, like you can feel this like visceral response. Yeah. Uh, You know, this like the, 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 the heart starts pumping, you know, you might start sweating a little bit, you know, you can feel your armpits getting slick, you know, and, and if I was a little bit more prone to, uh, you know, these anxiety related symptoms, then I probably would have just allowed that to exacerbate itself and I wouldn't have been able to perform, you know, like, like a lot of these people in the, uh, in the stress test probably did. Right. Uh, absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Well, that's 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 my little personal story for the day. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say piss in a Disney interview. Yeah. True. Simple as that. He's like everything you did was great, but don't say that word. Yeah. Don't say piss. I like it. Don't say piss. Um, I like it. Yeah. So, um, so, so you, what, so what you didn't get we... the job. Oh no! Definitely not. No call. <laughs> <Bastards>. <laughs> Yeah, they, they were looking for a kid, you know, like they were, yeah. they were trying to make bank off of uh, off of a bunch of children. Right, some uh, like r- racially ambiguous children. Racially ambiguous children, and they were also like, well, we want to represent you as a talent agency, so you're going to have to pay us money before we get you a job. Oh, yeah, scheme. Like, yeah, this is a scheme. Yeah, it was totally a scheme. That sucks. Like, yeah, it was blue. It was, it was a blue lot. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, so what else about this? Um, do we have any, um, information on which groups this affects more than others? Uh, nope. Let's, uh, the only thing that it, it said as far as the groups goes is that all the participants had no previous medical, uh, uh, history of any kind of mental illness, whether it be anxiety or otherwise. And so I guess based on people's responses, they were able to identify some people, as anxiety sensitive based on yeah. their responses and how long they carried on the more negative emotional uh, effects from the stressful situation as opposed to other people who were, you know, stressed out, were able to take in the, the, the responses and run with it, do something with it. Like in your scenario, you're able to take the heightened heart rate 
and use that as fuel to make you able to do whatever it is you were asked to do in that case, a toilet paper commercial, where maybe if someone had a more, I don't know, anxiety-sensitive response to that kind of thing, they would have shut down or just felt bad. <laughs> oh, well, that blows. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's a. It's kind of difficult to come up with a silver lining for something that certainly needs more study. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, this is this is a. a small sample size, you know, 58 people. This, this isn't conclusive about anything except for now we know that the biological response is the same for people, but the way our uh, shitty brains interpret things are different for some reason. Yep. Shitty brains being shitty once again. Oh, yeah. No surprise. Uh, but it is a step in the right direction. True. Uh, we are looking at, at things that we haven't in the past. You know, new information uh, is always a good thing. Uh, we need to just take that data and do something with it. Exactly. Uh, so more uh, larger population size, more surveys, more uh, experiments, uh, taking into account better controls. I, I saw earlier in the article they were discussing, uh, you know, using a, a mixed biological sample of males and females, uh, isolating stress responses to, uh, you know, the sex of the participants to control for the effect of hormones, oral contraceptives, menstruation, uh, all, all these kinds of things. So, yeah, we need to control for all the stuff. Uh, we need to do more experiments, and we need to learn more about this. I like it. Yeah, absolutely. Do we have a silver lining? That was it. <laughs> oh, god damn it. That was, that was my silver lining. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. I like it. It works. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, Tim. Uh, it's okay, man. <laughs> Fucking suck. It wasn't that good of a silver lining. Um, uh, now I'm going to have a yeah. negative response to my, my shitty response. It's okay, man. It's not it's not a negative response. In, in fact, I'm not somebody that really tends to focus on the bottom line that much anyways. You know, I, I'm, I'm a little bit more ethereal in my focus. Uh, I, I, want, I want people to feel as though they're cared for. Do you feel cared for, Jimmy? Uh, most days. Most days? What about when you work for a large corporation oh. that cares about the bottom line? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I think a lot of people would probably agree with this, yeah. which brings us to our next story. So this comes from uh, uh, Baylor University. Uh that's the uh, our article name is supervisors driven by bottom line fail to get top performance from employees Baylor study says so this probably comes as no surprise to the majority of you anytime you've been treated as a cog in a large money making uh, profitable endeavor you've probably found as though you have feelings of isolation disenfranchisement uh, just being Treated like you're you're being objectified. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. Nobody likes it, and it doesn't make you want to work harder. Yeah. And we now have a study in order to prove that that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. Um. So this study was done in Waco, Texas. Um. Uh, of course, uh, the bottom line mentality is very prevalent within Western cultures or, you know, in most companies that I've ever worked in, 
Um, I'm, I'm sure you'd probably agree, Jimmy. Have you, have you ever worked for a, a company that was more focused on uh, the, the staff rather than the bottom line? That's a good question. Can you be both? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't see why not. I think there's um, a balance I mean, to be had there. There, there's a balance to be. I, I don't know. I personally think that if you are focused on the bottom line, then you are doing so at the uh, at the conflict of value or you know the interest of your workers. Yeah. Um, because you know you're going to be uh, appropriating their labor from them. And then you are giving them a sum of what they are making for your company uh, as uh, as a wage, and that that is only high enough that you are going to retain that employee's labor, you know, be able to continually rely on it, right? Um, but not high enough that it's going to damage your profit margins, which is ultimately the most important thing in any capitalistic business. Right? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And I mean, I think that. Focus on the, you know, quarterly or annual profits. It's ultimately, if that's all you're concerned about, right? Like everything you were saying, it means you're not going to be focused on what your employees need to be ha- happy, healthy individuals, which in the long run will cost you. Well, I mean, do you, you got any, um, you got any wisdom on how to focus on that instead? I mean, I, I like the idea of like co-ops or, or companies that are at the very least democratically operated yeah, rather than having like a, a singular owner or like a board of trustees. Well, I think that definitely helps. I know that in Germany, I think if your company has over, I think, 3,000 employees, it's mandated by law that at least half of the the board members have to basically be employees of the company. So in those instances, you have people that are actively, you know, they have a job within the company that are helping making uh, major yeah. financial decisions for the company. So obviously they have a okay. they have a job with this company, so they want it to be profitable, so that way they can continue working there and having a job. But at the same time, they're going to have more consideration for their well-being and their fellow employees well-being because they have a job there they care about that you know if there's money at the end of the year to to give everybody a raise they're going to be for it where if you're you know a ceo that doesn't have to worry or see any of that shit it's like well you know (laughs) we had an annual like increase in profit of you know six percent but do my employees really deserve a three percent raise (laughs) yeah and and deserving you know that there's there's no merit to be had there. It's it's. I think it's even more cut and dry. It's like, can I maintain my labor force without increasing their payment? You know, in exactly. what ways can I maintain my bottom line mentality without compensating my employees more fairly than they already are? And I say more fairly as a way to be like, okay, if a company is perfectly run, then the uh, you know the 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 compensation is going to be equivalent directly to the amount of labor that they're doing rather than there always being this negative correlation or not a negative correlation per se, but right. uh, there always being a substantial difference between the two. Right. Um, so based on the responses and data collected in this, um, in this uh, uh, experiment, uh, they found a high baseline mentality supervisors to create low quality relationships with their employees. Yep. I think that's, that's pretty basic. 
Uh, in turn, employees perceive the low-quality leader-member exchange relationships. Uh, so I guess that's um, they 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 basically view their employers as not or their supervisors as not caring about them as as individual people, yeah. as living human beings that that feel and and need and require uh, um, a satisfaction. Uh, based around their work, at least to some degree. I know that not everybody requires purpose-filled labor in order to make them feel good at the end of the day, but it helps to know that you're not just being treated like another machine in the business. Exactly. That can just be replaced. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a result, this it causes employees to reciprocate by withholding performance. I don't know if that's the best way to phrase you know that that yeah. you know that yeah. analyzation of data withholding I'm performance. Choo- I'm choosing to not work as hard. I'm withholding it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like I mean, I guess you technically could work harder, but I, I think it's more that you're 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 taking the the energy and willpower and interest that you would have in that job, yeah. and you're instead uh, moving that to some other portion of your life. Exactly. Like, or, or maybe it's just it's being dissipated, which that would be the worst case scenario. If you look at, you know, your your interest and therefore willpower work output as a, a pie, and you have like a, a, a this total amount that can be either dedicated to, uh, you know, your your labor, whether it be for a bottom line mentality company. Or to uh, make sure that your your house is clean, or that your hygiene is upkept, and that you're making sure that you're going to your your doctor visits on time, and things of that nature. Right. Uh, you know, that's 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 probably a, a a fine way to look at it. But in all likelihood, it's probably just taking chunks out of your pie. It's making you less likely to try hard in life in general because you recognize that there's not necessarily a point. There's not going to be any break in this bottom line mentality in which people are going to treat you as worthy thinking living individuals more so than the machines that they are currently treating you. Absolutely. And just so uh, listeners know how they're able to get to the bottom of all this information, basically they had surveys taken by both employers and employees. And so employees that, would say that their employer only cared about the bottom line. Uh, yeah. So they would take those and correlate them with employers that basically would say this employee could work harder or they don't work very hard. And so they were able to find yeah. a trend of employers saying, no, this employee sucks and doesn't care about the bottom line, right? <laughs> he doesn't work yeah. for shit. And then the employee being like, this guy fucking sucks and he only cares about, you know, uh, yeah. That were in the instances, I guess, where employees were like, my employer cares about me. And then the, uh, and then, yeah. And then vice versa, the employee would be like, or the employer would be like, my employee's good. And so. Yeah. And, and BLM or, you know, baseline mentality is bad on either end of the spectrum. Uh, if the employee has a baseline mentality in the sense that they are, you know, coming to work for you a mean bottom line. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, what did I say? Baseline. baseline yeah. Uh, bottom line, sorry. It's okay. Uh, if, if the employee has a bottom line mentality, uh, then there's still going to be an evident negative performance. Uh, obviously, you know, like somebody that's just coming in to, to punch a card and, you know, do their work for the day and leave once they're, you know, eight to 12 hours is up, depending on what kind of job you have. Mm-hmm. Um, then 
they're not going to have as high of a work output as someone who is intrinsically connected to their job uh, by value, mutual respect, and this desire to uh, succeed in their in their work. Yeah, you know whatever that might be. Uh, it, it's kind of hard to make these like these brash generalizations because there there are a lot of jobs that don't necessarily produce a tangible item, uh, or or they you know they're they're part of such a large infrastructure that it's difficult to know how how that labor is influencing the overall um you know the the overall interworkings of the business right and um and whatnot but i'm i'm sure that there are still measurements i mean hell that's that's a big part of a lot of companies these days what is um you you were telling me about it a while back what's the name of those um those performance reviews um key performance indicators that key performance woof man that's some corporate talk for you yeah man what what is it what's a kpi like what is what does that look like whenever it looks like a fucking pie chart of hell (laughs) yeah is it yeah it's basically it's hard to do unless you're working uh on computers or something like that that can be automatically keeping track of every second of your life but basically Mm -hmm. A key performance indicator is there to, you know, look at if you're working on uh, items electronically, you can say, well, this is when you started it. This is when you stopped it. Uh, it took you six minutes. It was only supposed to take you four. So we're going to say you're at 80 percent productivity for the six minutes you're working. And it just keeps doing that over and over and over again until it can give you an accumulation at the end of your day to say, Oh yes, you were working at uh you know 100% productivity like the good robot you are or it can say you failed. You're a bad robot. You only had 50% productivity. You're half as productive as you should be. Bad robot. Yeah. So that would that would give that company an opportunity to you know the 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 companies that are using KPIs uh a a foothold to you know, judge just how valuable you are within the company. Like if they could find someone who had a KPI of 51%, there's a possibility that you would be replaced as a result of that. If they were willing to do, uh, you know, 51 or, you know, 1% more effective labor based on that algorithm at the same cost of, or, you know, for the same wage. The only good thing I can say about KPIs is that sometimes management can be arbitrary in how well they perceive someone to be working. So mm-hmm. management might think that, you know what, Tim, he's always wearing shorts to work. Our protocol says there's nothing wrong about wearing shorts, but I don't respect Tim because he doesn't wear shorts. And maybe, you know, Tim is working just as hard as Janice, uh, if you were like actually to look at the numbers, but uh, maybe he could perceive you as not working as hard, but if you have the KPIs there then you can't. So that's the only good thing I can say is, is, is okay. if, if, if you design the KPIs in a way that is fair, then mm-hmm. it can be an indicator to show that regardless of appearance or other things, you can determine how well someone's working. Just, just cool. to give, uh, the, uh, the, de- de- uh, devil's, what the fuck? I can't. Devil's advocate? Yeah, devil's advocate there. I don't, I would argue that probably most companies don't do it in, in a fair way, that they're trying to squeeze as much as they can out of the lemon, but theoretically it could be used for a good purpose. Theoretically. I, I yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it, it has the potential 
to be a way to protect employees that superficially don't seem like they're working as hard, but in fact are putting in you know m- more labor than is perceived. Exactly. Uh, so to uh, the, the researchers actually suggest a few practical steps in order to ensure that baseline um, mentalities. Bottom are line, to, Tim. Jesus Christ. I'm so sorry. I'm just going to call it BLM. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I'm just going to call it BLM. They recommend a few things that you can do in order to ensure that BLM is not going to negatively affect uh, your business. Okay. And, I, you know, I agree with some of these. Uh, it says, be cautious of a BLM approach or emphasizing bottom line outcomes that can neglect organizational concerns such as employee well-being and ethical standards. <laughs> okay. Uh, corporations are inherently unethical. And, I mean, we, we've already discussed this. You know, it's like if you are ever going to not give somebody what is fairly theirs, yeah, then you're being unethical. And, of course, the, you know, this, these ethics are uh, in a lot of ways um, – uh, man-made is not the the term that I'm looking for, but they, they're constructed right. uh, by by individual people and by groups of people that ultimately establish those as being important norms within our society. Uh, so, ethical standards being a little bit of an ambiguous thing there, but I totally agree with that. Uh, second point: managers should be aware of the message that they pass along to employees and the possible performance repercussions that they tout bottom line profits as the most important consideration. Uh, so w- what I'm getting from that is that they say that managers shouldn't tell employees that that BLM the most important thing. <laughs> it, it, I, uh, wow, these are some genius fucking suggestions. Holy shit! How do they come up to these conclusions? Fuck! They're just blowing my mind. God damn. And the last one is organizations need to emphasize bottom line outcomes uh, that should consider pairing the BLM management style with other management approaches known to produce positive results, such as practicing ethical leadership, which is like the first two that are combined together. (laughs) So basically there's no solutions. Uh, Not at all. And I think that that's the that's the sad takeaway here, which is why (laughs) Jimmy, what's the silver lining? I don't know. Yeah. I, I, at first, I was going to bring up something like Google, where you think of them having things to make their employees more comfortable, such as like free snacks and other bullshit. But I think really yeah. at the end of the day, I think a lot of the shit that Google provides its employees is there to make sure you never have to go home. Like they make sure you have everything you could possibly need at work. That way, you're halfway okay with working 80 hours a week and their yeah. big tech firm. Because, you know, they have a place where you can sleep. They have a cafeteria that's open 24-7. They have all these uh, luxuries, right? Uh, But they're not really luxuries. They're just there to keep you complacent (laughs) and ensure that you uh, never have to leave. That was the worst silver lining I've ever heard, Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. You're welcome. Uh, It's good that people are talking about this. uh, And... And uh, I know that that's the lamest silver lining and that we've used that one a well, million times. Actually, no, I got one. 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 Okay, okay, okay. I think actually uh, – it might even be Andrew Yang who was talking about this. If it wasn't Andrew Yang. It was some other person. Basically, so you know how now a lot of this bottom line mentality is top-down approach because C- CEOs benefit based on quarterly market trends of how well their company's doing. So they're always looking for – short-term profits in order to get their bonuses, which perpetuate more short-term profits, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure it's Andrew Yang. could have been someone else. I think other people have talked about this too. Basically, yeah. the idea that we should connect 
uh, CEOs, uh, bonuses, and the money that they receive yeah. basically connected to satisfaction of employees and the well-being of employees. I don't know exactly what yeah. trends we should connect it to uh, exactly to get the most bang for our buck. But, I mean, if you imagine the CEO is going to make, if he made extra money based on, I don't know, uh, annual, I don't know, uh, surveys done by the employees or, uh, yeah. uh, health or other kind of different indicators. I think that yeah. would promote a much better work environment for obvious reasons. For the employees. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. Uh, and that, that sounds absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Let's do that, Jimmy. Let's... All right. Cool. <laughs> Easy. Easy enough. <laughs> Easy. Um, we fixed it, guys. We fixed the, the economy. Instance, in the instance that we can't get these big companies to fall in line, you know, maybe, just maybe, we need to perform a good old-fashioned blowjob exorcism. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. If they're not going to give me a raise, <laughs> I'm going to give them an erection. I don't know. There you go. I should give you more of a, a heads up whenever I'm trying to do a segue. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. I like being surprised. Let's surprise Jimmy, yes, and <laughs> I like it. <laughs> oh man, do you wanna do you wanna introduce this next story? If you think <laughs> these companies suck, you should meet this pastor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. I like that. I like that Thanks. a lot. Okay. Yep. So yeah, I think this is just gonna be one of those ones that uh the episodes where the the stories can only be described by the titles of the articles. So this next article is pastor said he was sucking demons out of men. He sexually assaulted lawsuit claims. So <laughs> there was a Presbytery minister out of New Jersey named something Weaver, William Weaver, Doc, Reverend Dr. Oh, William. Damn, Weaver. He's a reverend and a doctor. Damn. Double, yep. double title. Yeah. Uh, this guy's now currently 69 years old and yeah. over, <laughs> yeah, 69. <laughs> yeah. And over his 39 career of uh, being a minister, he's conducted many exorcisms where he would suck out the demons of these, I don't know, people of young his men. church, young men. Yeah. 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 Uh, like 20 year olds. Yeah, 20 year olds. And the and the way he would justify it is he would cite Native American rituals and a verse from Ephesians telling Christians to put on the full armor of God. And it's still that part still makes no sense to me. I, I still can't make a correlation between putting on the full armor of God and a blowjob. Like I'm sorry. Well, the only way that these guys can prevent Weaver from blowing them is if they put on one of those little like. Uh, cod pieces, you know, <laughs> so that's what you need in order to avoid being molested by God this fucker. Put on the full armor of oh God, God, bitches. Oh, my God. So yeah. in these exorcisms that Weaver would perform, he would make these men uh, strip down completely naked, which is the point yep. where I would have left, right? If, if, if yep. like, my pastor person was like, all right, we're going to perform an exorcism. You know, you've got some demons in you. If, I, if, yep. if, you know, if we exercise these demons, everything's going to be great. Be like, okay, cool. Let's get started. And then when Weaver was like, all right, first step, take off all your clothes, I would say, what? No. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not fucking taking my clothes off. Why would I do that? And, and he just, like, starts, like, massaging your shoulders, like, trust me. No, 
No, you, you, no, you, you little tease. Get on the table. Come on, come on. Come on, <laughs> sit down. Do you want a fucking exorcism or not? not? Okay. It's a free service. It's the only place that you're going to get an exorcism. So get naked. Get naked and get onto my massage table. Yeah, and then, and then like, I'm going to put this little angel coin yeah. on your forehead. Yeah. What the fuck is an angel coin? <laughs> I don't know. What is an angel coin? Is it is that like a mushroom stamp? Um, wait, what's a mushroom stamp? It's when you slap somebody with the bottom of your dick. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. No, I don't. I don't think it is. Yeah. So the next step, if so, if you if you somehow get told by Weaver to take off all your clothes, and you're like, all right, cool. I still trust this dude. I'm down down for the exorcism. The next step is he would put. Place an angel coin on your forehead and then place yep. rocks on your ankles and wrist. Yeah. I guess. You got to balance. You got to balance them. Yeah. yeah. He's like, you got to balance. Very important. Focus on the angel coin and the rocks and don't yeah. think about anything else and balance them and yeah. pretend like the thing that's going to happen next isn't happening. And then the demons yep. will be gone. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty weird. Uh, in one particular instance, uh, AJ Meeker, uh, one of the victims, uh, actually started seeing, uh, Weaver in 2000 when he was 20 years old. Okay. And, and um, you know, they, they were, uh, I mean, it, it's obviously it's, a, it's a long ways away from that. And I think this is really the sad takeaway from the story. Uh, a lot of men who have been sexually assaulted, which is, uh, generally regarded as being like, um, I guess an atypical thing, yeah. uh, you know, or, or, or like a, a highly unusual thing, uh, will not come out and, and tell their communities about the fact that they've been sexually assaulted until many, many, many years later, if they ever do. Right. And I don't know if it's fear of repercussion. I don't know if it's because it is viewed as being unusual. Well, it's not. I think you should tell people. It, you should tell people, but I think it's for men. It makes it makes them embarrassed and it makes them feel weak, right? Like they should have been able to keep the sexual assault from happening in the first place in our yeah. you know hyper masculine manly culture. But when, well, when you can't, these guys. These guys were uh, – I mean they were influenced by religious belief, which has caused people to do some pretty crazy things in the past. Right. Um, and in this instance, it doesn't sound like he was like – he was forcing himself – like he was forcing himself on them, um, but more so that they were they were kind of tricked into it. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, I mean it's OK. Like everybody is – you know, gets the wool pulled over their eyes at some point in their life or another. You know, like it's it's – it's not an unusual occurrence in the least. Um, so coming forward with this kind of information can protect people from this type of situation in the future. So I'm, I'm not saying it's your responsibility to do it, but you know, I would certainly encourage you to. You know, you're probably going to help more people than if you just keep it to yourself. Is that a silver lining, Tim? Yeah, man. Damn. That's it right there. That's it right there. Straight for uh, it. That's right. And uh, – also, fuck this Weaver guy. He's terrible. Yeah. Like, God. And he, uh, yeah, it's just really gross. And I feel dirty just reading about it. Yeah. It's, it's pretty good gross. Uh, he uh, subsequently moved to a gated retirement community in Lakewood, which is about an hour away from Linden, where he was a pastor. Uh, this trial was set to start on January 25th of this year. 
Damn. Um, so I don't know how it's going currently. Let's see. Well, this was this was posted recently. It was on the eighteenth. Yeah. Uh, so it looks like it might be taking a little while. Interesting. Um, but nonetheless, like we hope that this guy is brought to justice, uh, especially for for taking advantage of the fact that a community of people trusted him, right. and he took advantage of that trust in order to blow off young guys. Yeah. Yeah. This is so bizarre. Yep. This is so bizarre. It's pretty fucking weird. Uh, the answer to getting your demons out is probably not oral sex. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I'm just going to guess. I, I mean, I case. hope it is, but it's probably not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so one last quote here from the article, just because I think this one's pretty confusing. Uh, another man, Jared Staunton, said that after his assault, Weaver lifted my head up and looked into my eyes and said... You don't have to be afraid anymore. I'm your protector now. Oh. With that, Staunton said the minister kissed him on the lips. Ugh. Like, what the And fuck? at that point, Jared Staunton should have been like, I think I'm going to go. Uh, let's, uh, let's not do this anymore. Um, if your pastor is kissing you on the lips, God. then I don't know. I guess it would probably be good if you're in some type of consensual relationship with said pastor. Well, I think it's impressive that this guy hasn't been murdered yet because he's also was a chaplain for a local chapter of the Vietnam Veterans Association. So I'm just imagining like you kiss the wrong like Vietnam vet and then they come and kill you for making them feel funny. Oh yeah. <laughs> or maybe he just knew sure. better than not to mess with them because it seems like he primarily targeted young men. So maybe all the Vietnam veterans were safe from his creepo ways because they were older individuals. Maybe. Ugh. God. Gross. Blah. 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 Oh. Well. Ugh. I think it's about that time, Jimmy. I think it's. I think it's time to talk about what's making us sad personally. Um, I'm sad because not only is my dog racist, people know my dog's racist, so oh, it's no. pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Uh, our, our dog barks at anyone who isn't white when we walk by them, when we walk around the neighborhood complex, and we have a pretty diverse uh, uh, apartment complex, so there's a lot of barks in there. I, I, I oh. tell them that she barks at everyone, but it's a lie. It's not true. She only barks at people oh. that aren't white. But I told them it anyways, hoping they won't judge us. But they do, because today <laughs> we were walking the dog, and we were just about to get back to the apartment. And this uh, elderly black man said to us, it's like, that dog only liked the white man. And he chuckled, and he walked off. And we're like, oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. He sees right through it. He sees right through it. He knows. He knows. Yeah. Like, how are you supposed to respond to that? How are you supposed to respond to someone telling you your dog only likes the white man? Like, I don't know how to make her not racist. I guess we could. The dog's probably sitting there thinking, like, "Hey, that's some reverse racism right oh there." You know, you know, you know what I mean? That's some reverse racism, <laughs> Jimmy. Should... Jimmy, you should you should bark at them with me. Ooh. You should bark at them with me. We should we should. Uh, could you get me a handkerchief to wear around my neck that happens to be the Confederate battle flag? I would really like to wear a handkerchief around my neck. What I should have said, like, how can my dog be racist? My dog's black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just true. She is black, but she's also racist. Can't be racist. This black okay, dog. <laughs> That's impossible. <laughs> God damn it. 
pretty funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> and also it's so bad. I guess I guess this is a sign I don't have enough black friends, and it's kind of sad. That might be part of yeah. it. Uh, my dog hate or I had a dog. Ugh. Bless her soul. Um, little Molly, she hated people wearing hats. Okay. Pretty weird. I, so that's also kind of like being racist. No, I guess. no, it's not at all. It's actually way more socially <laughs> acceptable. <laughs> oh man. Oh, I remember when people used to wear hats. <laughs> I hated it. I hated it. Uh, Let's see. What am I sad about? I'm sad that my back's fucked up. Did I talk about that last week? Um, no, you talked. To, well, no, I, you talked about your farmer's tan last week. Okay. Well, my back's fucked up. I I lifted too much heavy weights and I was being stupid and now my back's all fucked up. Damn. And uh, now I'm considering not lifting as much, which is really lame. Because I want to improve myself, Jimmy. I want to get better. And it's really hard to do that when your back's all fucked up. Yeah, that wouldn't make it hard. You could always just not lift at all like me, Tim. Oh, but I don't want to get all flabby like we were talking about earlier. We're going to make our flabby boys flabby podcast calendar if we're not flabby boys. (laughs) That does sound pretty fun. Uh, Everybody, could you uh, could you give us like some upvotes to see how much uh, you want us to make a flabby boys calendar? Flabby boys calendar. Flabby boys. It's going to be like us in speedos, just taking pictures. In our backyards, next to our grill, in the lawn chairs, yep. in the kitchen. Yep. I'm gonna be holding like some little tongs, and uh, you know, I'm just like sitting there posing. What What are you gonna be doing, Jimmy? What What, what kind of pose? Let's imagine that we're kind of we're gonna come up up for next month. Uh, I'm I'm going to be doing some kind of uh, I don't know. Superhero punch the ground kind of pose, except for it's going to be my okay. skinny pale body in a speedo, so it's not going to be epic at all, like when Fantastic. Thor does it. <laughs> exactly. I love it. Uh, yeah, everybody. Um, where can they let us know where they would like this poster to be sent? Right. If you all are interested in our Flabby Boy calendar, you can email us at cynicempowerment at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you there. You can also like us on Facebook and send us a message or a message on any of our posts. Or you can tweet at us on Twitter at cynicempowerme1. We would love to hear from you. Love, love, love it. Oh my goodness. Well, I tell you what, everybody. It's been a, been a fantastic ride. Um, love you all very much. And, uh, I hope that you can keep your head up. We will catch you next time. This has been such a fun ride that I think I'm going to. <laughs>